welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your tour guide in today's episode. And being that today is the 4th of July, and it just so happens that I'm recording this episode the day before the 4th of July, on July 3rd, I decided that wouldn't it be interesting to do another looking back in time episode because it's a specific holiday. So today I'm going to explore old newspapers and take a look at the time around July 4th in various years. So the first thing I'm going to do is go back 100 years and start with the 1920s. So I'll explain more of that in a minute. So come along and join me. So in the Willard Library archives, they don't have a collection of newspapers for 1923 in their list. The closest I could get to it 100 years back was 1922. So I pulled up the Battle Creek Moon Journal, and I want to read you some of the postings and articles that were happening at that time in 1923, and then we'll look back further in time. But uh, here's a proclamation that was posted in the newspaper by the Exchange Club, the Kiwanis Club, the Merchant's Dinner Club, and the Rotary Club as a consolidated Americanization committee. And what they published here was on July the 4th, the nation will celebrate the 146th anniversary of its independence. It is a day of sacred and lasting significance, which should be enshrined in the mind and heart of every citizen, young and old. The Declaration of Independence adopted by the 13 colonies was the outspoken declaration of freedom for all people. It came to a darkened world as its hope and inspiration. Into the Constitution of the United States of America, adopted at the close of the War of Independence, were woven in concrete form these principles so clearly set forth in the Declaration of Independence, upon which the nation was founded and through which it has come to be the leading world power. It is fitting and proper that we of this community pause a few moments on Independence Day to recall the blessings all have enjoyed and to rededicate ourselves to those sacred principles enunciated in the Declaration of Independence and made forever the basic law of the land under the Constitution. Therefore, it is requested that all citizens join in the Community Independence Day commemoration this year to be given on the lawn of the Junior High School, Tuesday, July 4th, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., there to renew their patriotism and to pledge anew their allegiance to country, constitution, and flag, and for all which they stand. It is requested that all homes display the flag and that the business section of the city be fittingly decorated for the occasion. At 8.30 o'clock, all patriotic Americans are requested to stand at reverent attention for a hushed and solemn moment while whistles are blown. Following this moment, the church and school bells will be rung for four minutes of jubilation. Again, at five minutes before nine, the bells will be rung, for four minutes, followed by the blowing of the whistles for a minute, after which the exercises will begin. To the citizens of Battle Creek, by the official action committee of the Consolidated Americanization Committee. 
So that was how they honored the 4th of July in Battle Creek, Michigan. And this was posted on Saturday, July 1st that year. So that was kind of an interesting notice. You don't see that sort of celebration today, and I thought that was uh, worthy of calling your attention to it. There's another posting in here, and this was an ad for a big 4th of July celebration in Urbandale. My dearest loved one, when I left you, I thought my love had grown cold. A passion for roaming over the universe overwhelmed me. Day after day, I tried to forget you. A new love is to take your place. I looked for, in every village, in every clime, my vow to shake of the deep affection I had for my loved one was a part of my daily resolves. Being a man of strong willpower helped me to try and forget your beauty. Yet, no matter where I roamed, your charming ways would be a picture before me by day and my dreams constant would be of you by night. Oh, loved one, you will never know how my heart would flutter and my whole body would quiver with emotion when I would hear that you were becoming more beautiful and your talents spreading into accomplishments undreamed of. I was upon the verge of returning to you when President Wilson declared war. As a last desperate effort to forget you, I enlisted with the 1st Division and made up my mind to be the first soldier to land upon the foreign battlefields. Well, I helped chase the Kaiser to his present hiding place, but not a bullet or splinter came within 40 rods of me. It seemed as though fate was bound to make me return to my dearest loved one in the good old USA. As a final effort to efface all I enlisted with the air service, seemingly I was overcoming my great love for you, but our outfit was ordered to Camp Custer, and I believe it or not, my dear beloved Urbandale, when our formation was over you, I beheld the great activity for the 4th of July celebration in my beloved Urbandale without warning to my fellow flying companions. I left the flying squadron and flew into your arms forever. Never, my beloved Urbandale, will I desert you again. I am yours for life. Yours without reserve, a loving pioneer. And then it advertises a big community picnic dinner, big games, parades, sport and games, patriotic address, cordial invitation to all, all automobiles kindly requested to join in the parade, form at 9 a.m. and be at the schoolhouse. Former urban daylights urged to join in the big fun. Your big band concert... <laughs> It's funny, they have it written here, big band concert, but then they have urband ale uh, going around the word band, which is kind of cute. And then it says 4th of July, Urbandale Dynamic Village. So this was Urbandale's promotion for the 4th of July. It started out as a love letter, and then you find out that the one he's betrothing his love to is Urbandale itself. So it's kind of a neat little way of spinning a big community picnic dinner on the 4th of July. For this next article, I go on over to Paw Paw, Michigan, and this ran on July 2nd, 1890, in a newspaper called The True Northerner. And the name of the article is The 4th of July, Plain Truths for Patriots. And it was written by Colonel Alex Duke Bailey. 
On this year, 1890, standing as we do just across the threshold and within the second century of our constitutional government, we can best show our reverence for the benefits and glories of the past by sinking for one's all-spreading egalism and seriously considering with the solemnity becoming men who would do their full duty as citizens of the United States, those perils which confront our future prosperity and grandeur rise towards the lead of all nations of the earth. It may have been fitting that noise and general jollification, abandonment of brag, were the prominent features of the 4th of July of the boyhood of our nation. But we have reached our manhood days now and must put away the rattles and romps of children and consider and set as become those who have reached maturity and from whom the world rightfully expects and demands man's performance and resulting good for humanity. There are clouds overhead and convulsions threatening under our feet While we reverently return thanks to Almighty God for the past, we should carefully survey and consider the dangers that exist on the ground. We must march ever into the future. It is not well to look backward. The marvelous past of the year since noise and universal jubilee celebrated our Independence Day, if we contemplate this alone, paralyzes the imagination. And as we gaze upon the vast accumulations of the century gone, awe and pride dazzle our eyes, and we are unable to look forward to the pitfalls open in our pathway. If we neglect to look forward with the keen eyes of men and to properly estimate and provide the advert destructive influences undermining our national existence, for the results with which must inevitably follow, will be alone to be the blame, and our punishment will be correspondingly severe. Since the 4th of July became recognized as the national day of our nation, our population has grown from 4 to 65 million. Its center moving westward, 1,000 miles since 1790, is eloquent for the founding of cities and the birth of states, new settlements clearing the forests and subduing the prairies and adding four millions to the few thousand farms which were the support of our early republic. Create one of our great granaries of the world and upon exhaustiveless reservoirs of national wealth. The industries which the first act of our first administration sought to encourage, now give remunerative employment to more people than inhabited the republic when first established. So it's an extensive article, but I just thought I'd read you a part of it. Um, It is quite interesting to see the take that they had on the 4th of July back at that time period and the general respect they had and the unique awareness they had of the country's history, which I think is very important for a nation to hold on to if one ever wants to have patriotism. You must know your past. So that was kind of an interesting article, and that was in the Pawpaw newspaper, The True Northerner. Now here's an interesting article that ran in a newspaper called The Sunday Record, 
on July 3rd, 1898, and this was in Battle Creek, and the article says, An 1808 Celebration, How New Yorkers Observed Fourth of July 90 Years Ago. Here is a true copy of an advertisement that appeared in the New York Herald on July 3rd, 1809. The public are informed that the anniversary of American independence will be celebrated at Columbia Garden opposite the Battery. Splendid preparations have been made to commemorate this auspicious day, and nothing will be found deficient in causing general satisfaction. The garden will be elegantly decorated and splendidly illuminated with variegated lamps. The fountains will be ornamented with new transparent paintings and busts. The hydraulic machinery with improvements will be exhibited. It turns by the force of water issuing from the fountain. It is composed of 12 wheels on which are fixed upwards of a thousand figures and from the recent improved plan will turn the great velocity. Upon the exterior of the fountain are 12 elegant transparent paintings being also a part of the hydraulic machinery. This new exhibition will be found highly interesting and cannot fail of exciting universal appropriation from those who may view it. Fireworks, a grand display of elegant fireworks, will take place during the exhibition, in which are a Chinese fountain, a variety of Roman candles, a star 30 feet in circumference from the sun, the center, and a grand fire pump, etc., accompanied with 100 elegant rockets, the principal part of the above to be turned by water. A select band of music is engaged. Admittance for the evening, four shillings. So this was uh, an 1809 celebration, and it was uh, written about 90 years later in the Sunday record. So that was kind of interesting. Now, in the Battle Creek Daily Moon on July 3rd, 1888, I found some interesting articles to read about events that were going on during that time. Here's an article called Fourth of July Excursion Rates. The Chicago and Grand Trunk Railway, Detroit, Grand Haven, and Milwaukee Railway, and the Michigan Airline and Detroit and Port Huron divisions of the Grand Trunk Railway have arranged to sell special excursion tickets at single fare for the round trip between all stations on their lines on July 3rd and July 4th. Tickets good to return up to and including July 5th. The custom of making cheap holiday excursion rates was inaugurated by three lines some years ago, and the increase of sales year by year show that their patrons appreciate the concessions made. So the railroads were offering single fares that would be used as a round-trip ticket. So if you wanted to attend a 4th of July celebration pretty much anywhere in the state or on these lines, if you wanted to go over to Chicago, you could do that, and then you could return back. But I guess it had to be on the line, so it probably was over to Chicago or anywhere in Michigan, essentially, based on this notice. But that's kind of an interesting look back on how the railroads were helping people out on the 4th of July to go attend different celebrations. In the same newspaper, 
the Battle Creek Daily Moon on July 3rd, 1888. There's an article in here called 4th of July, 1888. There will be celebrated at Gogwak Lake. The natives will be aroused by the firing of a cannon at early dawn. There will be a variety of amusements consisting of boat, tub, and sack racing, greased pole, wheeling and wheelbarrow blindfolded, etc., etc. A suitable prize will be awarded to the champion of each of the above exercises. Dancing will be conducted beneath the mammoth tent or in the dance hall, as occasion may require. Music will be furnished by C.S. Chamberlain's full orchestra. Horses will receive prompt attention, hay and grain to supply demands, horses and buggy equipments checked at a reasonable price, stall accommodations for 100 horses. The grounds and buildings have been much improved and are in better condition for the comfort and accommodation of the guests than ever before. Refreshments will be ready to serve in abundance, eatables and drinkables of the best quality, and at the usual everyday prices. Also a full line of cigars and tobacco, firecrackers and torpedoes for sale. Soda fount will be on the ground and produce the many favorite drinks. Gogwak ice cream, sods, etc. Luncheon at all hours. Dinner served at 35 cents. Tea, 25 cents each. The new and elegant steamer, Battle Creek, put on the lake this season, will give you a delightful ride and furnish music automatically, a full orchestration imported from Switzerland. Her seating capacity is 70 person. Speed, 12 miles per hour. Engine, 8 horsepower. Thomas Kane patent government test and the government permit to run the same. This boat contains 32 airtight compartments, an almost impossibility to sink her, and the 70 full-grown persons draw only four and a quarter inches more water than when empty. So it seats 70 persons. I'm sorry, the the typing on some of these old articles, you get bleed through on the paper behind, so it's a little hard to read sometimes. So they could take a capacity of 70 people on the new steamer that was on Battle Creeks, or that was on Gogwak Lake called the Battle Creek. And uh, it also said that there would be rowboats, dry and clean, and they would be let by the hour or the day. So you could go to Gogwak Lake and rent a rowboat by the hour or by the day. And by taking a rowboat, you're at liberty to stop when and where you please, consulting your own pleasure, visiting the islands and different points of interest. No boats let for fishing on 4th of July unless extra prices are paid for same. Grand illumination will take place in the evening. A terrific explosion of the side-wheel steamer William Davis recently captured at Lake Gogwak. Dynamite, gasoline, and gunpowder will be used for the occasion. Good order will be observed, and everybody old and young are invited to come and enjoy an old-fashioned 4th of July. Entrance to grounds is free. Facilities for the lake are good. The street railway, hack and omnibus lines 
will carry the vast crowd to and from the city and lake at most reasonable rates. The Michigan Central Railroad and the Chicago and Grand Trunk Railroad and CJ&M Railroad will convey excursionists at reduced rates, making close connection with street railway for the lake. Public waterworks are within a stone's throw of the above grounds. Visitors are admitted free to engine room. And this was written by R.W. Surrey, proprietor of the grounds, Battle Creek, Michigan, June 1888. And they even post a streetcar timetable, which basically ran at pretty much at every hour of the day. There was a interurban streetcar that ran to Gogwak late from downtown. And so they were running at every hour of the day. And it ran right down um, Riverside Drive, I believe, to the Gogwak Lake or one of those side drives. And it looped around. It's kind of interesting back in the day. So, And they had this uh, steamer boat on the Gogwak Lake giving people rides. But I thought that was kind of interesting that they would have, uh, they would use gasoline for some of the explosions and gunpowder. That seemed like a pretty dangerous combination, but they did a lot of wild things back in the day. So that was interesting uh, from an 1888 4th of July. Now looking at a Grand Rapids newspaper called the Grand Rapids Telegram Herald on the 1st of July, 1890, they're talking about 4th of July activities around the state. There's this interesting article that is about Lansing, Michigan, and this was explaining that the state fairgrounds have been transformed into a city of tents in readiness for the fifth annual state encampment of the Sons of Veterans, which begins tonight and continues until Saturday. It is expected that fully 1,500 members of the order will be present. Thursday addresses will be made by Governor Lucy and General Alger, Colonel Duffield and others on Friday. There will be a very big 4th of July parade reviewed by General Charles Griffin of Indianapolis, Commander-in-Chief of the National Sons of Veterans. So anyways, that was a very big celebration happening up in Lansing. And in this same newspaper, there seemed to be a common thread of articles around 4th of July that were published about the growth and population of the United States. And because this was the Independence Day makes sense when you really look at it, that this was when the country was officially born. Um, And it says, we are the people, is this article. In round numbers, our population is estimated at 64,500,000. This is a gain of over 14 million. Tables showing the growth of 33 of our principal cities, estimated populations of cities and towns in the Northeast. And then it goes through all of the different cities in the United States. And Detroit was 157,000 people at that time. That was the only Michigan city listed. And then it goes state by state, indicating the different sizes of the cities. Saginaw was 50,000 people. That was one of the larger ones. Grand Rapids was 65,000. Battle Creek was 15,500. And other towns like Hillsdale was 4,094. Lansing was 15,500. And Niles was 4,400 people. And that's just some of the examples. St. Joseph was 4,200. 
Uh, so this is kind of an interesting look at how they would uh, be interested in population growth during that time. You don't necessarily see that even discussed around the 4th of July these days. So I found that kind of interesting as well. And on July 4th, 1890, in the Benton Harbor Palladium, there were some interesting articles of the time going on. And one of the main articles was the discussion of voting in Wyoming as the next state. So that was a, kind of an interesting story. And the bill was passed in the Senate at a vote of 29 to 18. There was also a big article about an event that happened in Indianapolis on July 1st, where they dedicated the handsome bronze statue of former Vice President Thomas A. Hendricks on the Capitol grounds in Indianapolis. So that's the year it was done, 1890. And finally, in the same paper, they described the full program for the grand celebration in Benton Harbor, which included a parade and oration by General Wallace, visiting organizations, sports, fireworks, etc., the preparations are now complete for the biggest 4th of July celebration ever held in Benton Harbor, if not in southwestern Michigan. The orator, General M.R.M. Wallace, arrived Thursday evening and was met at the West Michigan train by the Committee of Citizens and the Grand Army of the Republic and escorted to his hotel. He will be prepared to entertain the thousands that will be here today with an eloquent and patriotic speech. General Wallace is a prominent member of U.S. Grant Post Number 28 Chicago and will be especially pleased to meet the comrades of the Grand Army. On the morning, boats from Chicago will arrive. Chicago's crack military company, the Bright Horse Guards, 35 to 50 in number, also 10 to 20 members of Battery D, with their cannons. Both of these organizations will participate in the parade and will also give exhibition drills. The display of fireworks at night will be one of the best ever witnessed in this part of the state and will be well worth seeing. Be on hand early as it is proposed to fire the pyrotechnic pieces as soon as it is sufficiently dark and there will be several beautiful set pieces. There will be thousands of visitors in our city from all directions. The surrounding country has been thoroughly built, and the character of our celebration has already awakened much interest in Chicago. And that was the notice about the great 4th of July celebration happening in Benton Harbor, Michigan, that day on 1890. And that's going to conclude today's look back in time at 4th of July celebrations and the general patriotic viewpoint of the people in the past towards today's holiday. And hopefully some of that will inspire you to share with others and have a wonderful 4th of July holiday. And that's going to conclude today's episode. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to leave a like or rating or review on whatever app that you are listening on. I know Apple and Spotify offer the ability to do that. And then if you would like to reach out to me, you can always find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And at the end of this month, I will be doing a very special event at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum. 
along with Dave Eddy and Jim Jackson, who have been guests on this podcast before, about the subject of Oak Hill Cemetery and some of the history of this area. So I'll put the link to where you can get tickets for that. I hope you'll come out and join me for that uh, fun event at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past, thank you for listening.